0: This is Play Action Cast. What's it about? Sports and stuff, I guess. With Jeff Malinoff. Jeff Malinoff. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Hello, one and hello, all. Welcome back to the Play Action Cast. My name is Jeff Malinoff, and today, well, we got to talk about something that's been absolutely must talk about these last, at least last couple of seasons, but this season in particular, we need to go over it, and we need to go over it now. The NFL refs, and I will even include college football refs, have been some of the worst we have ever seen. And a lot of it has to do with the rule changes, of course, but overall, referees in football today have gotten just out of control. And I'm talking roughing the passer calls, obviously, even NFL players from the past and present are discussing this. I'm talking about helmet-to-helmet unnecessary roughness contact that have cost teams games this season alone. And both college and NFL have had this issue. So let's dive in right into it right now. Right now, the roughing the passer calls have been the, to- the main topic of these criticisms of referees, which is understandable. when like, Especially if you're on the defensive side of the ball, like J.J. Watt has said on numerous tweets recently how, what is an NFL player supposed to do? What is a defensive player supposed to do in general to stop a guy to tackle a quarterback, to get the ball, to get a sack? And he is right. Looking at seeing you can't, lay your body weight on him, you have to hit him in a certain section, and it's so precise you have to hit him that any kind of tackle to the quarterback you're thinking, is this going to be a roughing the passer call? And I think it started a few years ago. Let's dive back to 2018. AFC Championship game, Patriots and Chiefs. This was a red-hot Patrick Mahomes going against, of course, the legend that is Tom Brady. Tom Brady at the end of the game of course there was the offsides call uh, after a pick by Payne manning, Payne manning tom brady was thrown that basically cost the chiefs the game but dive back farther and you see a roughing the passer call and what was that roughing the passer call you may ask was it a body weight hit on tom brady was it a helmet to helmet hit no, actually, you are wrong. It is actually Chris Jones going against the left guard, and he the left guard was doing pretty good. I'll give him credit for that. So Chris Jones goes over him and slaps Tom Brady right on the shoulder pad. Tom Brady barely flinches, barely moves, doesn't go down. He stays upright the whole time. Flag, personal foul, roughing the passer, defense, that same drive. They go and score, and... uh Then, uh, of course, Patrick Mahomes comes back. It was 21 17 at the time. Then it occurred 24 21. And then uh, they drive down the field. Patrick Mahomes does with the Chiefs, go to overtime. But eventually, Tom Brady does take them down the field when they get the ball, score a touchdown, and the Patriots go on to the Super Bowl. That roughing the passer call is still the worst hands down roughing the passer call of all time. Tom Brady doesn't go down. Chris Jones doesn't. Like they say, if you hit the player in the helmet, not even body weight, not even with your helmet, if you touch his head, it's a rough in the passer call. First of all, the referees of the game should be ashamed of themselves for even calling that. The NFL official uh, executives, whoever decided to okay these really hammering down on roughing the Passer calls should be a shame on themselves. As soon as they saw that game, they should have said, okay, obviously there is massive issues with roughing the Passer not being called and being called. We have to really dive in what is roughing the Passer. But no, they let it slide. They continue to let these referees ruin football games. And I really mean ruin football games. I don't know how many times I've seen A routine tackle by a defender sacking the quarterback, and it's called roughing the Passer. These guys have known how to tackle for their entire lives. And the NFL thinks they can just change like that. They can just change their entire way of playing football. No. No, you can't. You can't just change how your life works. You can't change how it's like walking. Imagine just walking. You walk normally. Everyone knows how to walk. And someone says, no, no, you can't walk like that. You have to change how you walk. It's right foot, right foot, left foot, left foot. You have to go one. You have to go two steps with one foot and then two steps with the other foot. You can't go one over against the other. You can't go right, left, right. You have to go right, right, left, left, right, 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 left, right, left, right, right, divided by two left, right. You can't do that. You can't just expect someone to change just like that. And it's been years. You can't. It's very frustrating, to say the least. And not only that, college football is way worse. And what I mean by that is if you do a helmet-to-helmet unnecessary roughness call, it could barely be it. It could barely nip the guy's helmet. Not only will they penalize you, they will review it, and if they do see this, they will eject you from the game. So think about this. Think if you're a guy trying to up your stock in the NFL draft, there are scouts everywhere watching this game. Pretend it's Washington versus Oregon, a big uh, or Washington versus us, or just any of these. It was Alabama versus Auburn. This is your chance to show scouts everywhere, how good you are. And first drive of the game you're on the defensive side of the ball you make a great hit but the refs don't like it they saw you leading with your helmet just a smidgen they review it they see it you're ejected from the game those scouts no longer can see you one mistake you don't get two strikes you don't get three strikes no no no. one little hit that might look a little malice might look like a good hit to everyone else but to these refs they look like you attempted murder and you lose your chance at being drafted into the NFL. You you're, you miss your chance of being drafted in the first round, second round, third round. You were dropped to the seventh round to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars. You might not even be drafted and lose millions of dollars. That is not fair. You cannot just eject these kids who are trying to get into the NFL, who are trying to achieve their dream. And over one lousy hit, that might not even look malice. Hey. I'm all for it. If it looked like a cheap shot, if it looked like there was malice involved, then sure, I would say eject him. But when you look at these routine plays and they look fine to everyone else watching, they look fine to the commentators, they look fine to everybody else, but these... Booth reviewers, these studios that are looking at this and think, yes, he should be ejected because the NCAA is trying to, quote unquote, protect these kids. No, you're actually ruining these kids futures by ejecting them right off the bat. It's not fair to them and it's not fair to the viewers and it's not fair to the team. It's not fair to anyone watching this game, but it's fair to the NCAA because all they care about is thinking, quote like just thinking that everyone thinks that they are all about safety. They're not all about safety. They're not. It's a, it's a load of garbage, and they should be ashamed for costing these kids looking getting looked at by scouts for routine tackles that they think is a little too malice, and these guys that are making the rules have never played football in their lives. That's the thing that gets me. They have never actually been on the field. They never actually learned how to tackle, and they think you can just change how that happens. You can't. It's not fair. It's ridiculous, and something needs to be done. It's absolutely ridiculous. And J.J. Watt, I got your back. I saw you posting a lot about it, and you are 100% right. All right. Well, actually, I got some breaking news. Speaking of college football, Texas A&M has fired Jimbo Fisher today. This is uh, Sunday morning. This is before all the games start, so I wanted to – I couldn't do it yesterday, Saturday, because I lost my voice. I had a sore throat. But – Right now, Jimbo Fisher has been fired, and his buyout is $77 million. Ooh, so I don't think he lost on this one. He probably will get another job sooner or later, but, I mean, Texas A&M was always top five in recruiting. He was a, he's a great recruiter. He just doesn't know how to get them to play well on the football field. He can, he can do all he can to get the great players, but he struggles to get them playing well on the field for them. I mean, Texas A&M, like they've like last two or three years have been top five in recruiting and they have been ranked like they were ranked. They usually are ranked preseason because of how good their recruiting classes are. And then you look at how they play after that. And it's ridiculous. I mean, let's look at their record right now. Let's rewind to the year of 2020. Texas A&M has ran fourth in the nation. They just won the Orange Bowl against North Carolina handily, by the way. And, of course, Jimbo Fisher before then was a national champion for Florida State. He is looking to make another national championship run with Texas A&M. They are looked at in the next year, 2021, to be surefire championship contenders. They are looking that good after all of this. Now, fast forward to 2021. They are looked at as a favorite to win a national title. Can you guess what happens? Well, they collapse. They start off ranked number six in the nation, win three straight against, I mean, it was was just, they were those tune-up games. Then their first real challenge, number 16, Arkansas, lost by double digits. Next game, Mississippi State loses by four, but they still lose to Mississippi State. And then they beat Alabama. They beat Alabama. They're looking to be good. They get on a little bit of a winning streak, and then it just collapsed again. Eight and four, ranked 25. If you're favorite to win a national title and you go eight and four, that's a failure. That's a failure. Fast forward to 2022. Again, a stellar recruiting class. Ranked top in the nation. They are ranked at one of the best recruiting classes in the nation. They look to be another possible college football playoff favorite. And they lose that Appalachian State. And they collapse again. They go 5-7. and seven. It's not looking good right now. And then this previous year, They are six and four. After multiple top-end, top-rated recruiting classes, they failed. Losing season to a very poor six and four record. And in college football, that's very poor, as you all know. They lost to Bama and Tennessee back-to-back. One-score games, though, but regardless, they're losing to these teams. They should beat. And they end up 6-4, and four, not even ranked. And there goes Jimbo Fisher. They can't handle him anymore. They cannot handle the hype in the, in the offseason. They, ha- they can't handle the fantastic recruiting classes and not doing anything with them. How are you supposed to trust this guy if he can't get it done during the season? He can get it done in the offseason. He just can't get it done during the season. He wins the mythical ch- offseason national championship. He wins the recruiting class championship, but can't get it done when it comes to a real championship. But again, Jimbo Fisher gets $77 million. So who's laughing in the honestly? Is it Jimbo Fisher laughing himself to the bank where he doesn't have to work a day in his life anymore? Which he probably will. He'll probably get picked up by another team, another college, another school. No, there's not a one other school that wouldn't take him. You know what I mean? There's, there, when you have a record, when you have a national championship under your belt, you're going to get looked at elsewhere it just happens. When you win a national championship, you always have a job waiting for you. No doesn't matter where it is. It's going to happen. So, 77 million dollars, enjoy that Jimbo. All right. So, we got we just finished off with week 9 last week. We saw a couple shockers. Uh the Raiders uh, at, right after f- firing Josh McDaniels and all the background behind the scenes stuff that went on there, and no one liked Josh McDaniels. Not one person liked Josh McDaniels. They were saying, "Don't let the door hit you; where the good Lord split you." They were just—they were so happy. They were probably dancing in the locker room after he was fired. Then they go on to destroy the New York Giants thirty to six, and I—I I think everyone is starting to really love. The interim coach for the Raiders at this moment, Antonio Pierce, who just I don't know there's something special about him. There is something special about him because something I love from him, and he's also a former alum of my school at University of Arizona. So I got love for the guy. He brought the entire practice squad to the sidelines to watch the game, and he said, "Hey, you're on the team. You should be on the sidelines." That shows great character from him, and I love that. I think everyone else thought, yeah, you're right. That is a great, great little, that's great, something great to look at for him. And obviously, the players like him. He he looks like, he's definitely a player's coach. I mean, he was on the Super Bowl winning uh, Giants team that upset the New England Patriots. And speaking of that, he talked about, he even talked about, before McDaniels got fired, he talked about that team. He's like, you guys got to be like those 07 Patriots or 07 Giants. You got to look at that 07. You got to look across and see that undefeated Patriots team and say, we can beat you. We can take you on. We have the, what it takes. And then Josh McDaniels got super upset about that and says, don't mention those 07 Patriots again. Like a child. Like, don't, don't mention that. It hurts my feelings. Like, McDaniels is a very, if the, if that, if the reports is true. If this is true, McDaniel's is a very sensitive guy for sure. But Antonio Priest, I mean, he has. If a team just goes off and wins thirty to six again, no, regardless who they play, they obviously are playing for that guy. I think he should definitely be looked at as maybe taking over the head coaching reins if they continue to win. I'm not saying after one game hire him. If they play well, because last time they had an interim coach, they may or may not have went to the playoffs. And guess what happened to that guy? They let him go, and he coached somewhere else. After that, he might have went. He might have went to the Green Bay Packers to be their assistant head coach and special teams coordinator. Rich, he deserved better. So, after all of that, they definitely hundred percent should look at him for a future. In right now, when they look for a head coach in the offseason, he should be looked at as a candidate. If he don't, then that's then. Mr. Mark Davis, you may need someone else to hire these coaches. But here is the rest of the week for the rest of the season for the Raiders. They got the Jets, Dolphins, Chiefs, Vikings, Chargers, Chiefs, Colts, Broncos. Not the easiest schedule, mind you. That's a very tough schedule, especially the tough AFC West they had to go through. They had to face the Chiefs twice still and the Dolphins and a Red Hot Vikings team. It's going to be challenging for sure. But if the team buys in to what Coach Pierce is bringing to them, don't be surprised and maybe see them fight for a wild card spot. Nine and eight? Nine and eight could get you a wild card spot in the AFC. Absolutely. So if they do, if they make the playoffs, hire Pierce. I don't care. If they make the playoffs, don't even look at other people. Hire Pierce. All right, let's move on. The trade deadline did end last this week. And I think there were a couple little surprise trades, especially in the Washington Commanders Department. Two of their best offensive linemen, Montez Sweat and Chase Young, both are off the team. They've been traded uh, Chase Young to the 49ers for a third-round pick, and Montez Sweat to the Chicago Bears for a second-round pick. Now, it's there were rumors that the front office, the new owners the new owners of the Washington Commanders were pushing for trades, were pushing for basically kind of a rebuild. They want to start from scratch, it sounds like. And they traded their two best defensive players for a second and third round pick. Maybe could have gotten more, but especially in the deadline, there's not a lot you can really do. But I think it was the. Uh, it's an interesting call for Washington. I don't think they're going to get much out of those two picks. Maybe they will, because the third round pick is like a conditional third, which is the back end of the third round. So the second round pick from the, Bears might be proved dividendial. I think the best possible outcome For them is definitely that which is going to be a high second So probably going to be the, the, the first Maybe the first couple of picks in the second round So that's good for them for sure But Montez What was their leading sack guy? Chase Young was right behind him. They're both very good Together. I think they were the big Big additions to that Washington team that kept them in games So it's going to be interesting with how They do without them But obviously Montez Sweat already played on Thursday night and already proved to be a huge addition to the Bears after their win. So they're good for them. We're going to see Chase Young earlier today on Sunday morning against the Jaguars. He is looked at on their unofficial depth chart as the starting end right next to Bosa. So we'll see how often he gets playing time. He probably won't be played a lot because it's not like an offensive side where you need to learn a playbook. Uh, The playbook on the defensive side is obviously a little – less complicated than Shanahan's offense. So I think he'll get a lot of playing time. He'll just be rushing the quarterback with Bosa and see how they both play together. They obviously like each other. They're obviously friends from Ohio State. So there's going to be some chemistry there to start off right off the bat. Those were the main two trades that happened in the trade deadline. The Eagles, of course, got richer as well. They got Kevin Byard from Tennessee for um, a couple of day three picks and safety Terrell Edmonds, who they were going to probably cut anyways. McCall Hardman, who was on the Jets, went back to Kansas City um, for basically nothing there. So he's back with Kansas City, so that's good for him. The Vikings also got Josh Dobbs because of the injured Kirk Cousins, who's out for the year. And people thought, okay, he'll probably play in a couple of weeks after learning the playbook. He barely knew his team. He had to go go right in because... The rookie quarterback, Hall, got injured with a concussion in the first quarter. So he had to come in and play fantastic. And he's going to start again after his win, after the Vikings' win last week. So he is already going to be a starting quarterback a week and a half after being traded for them. So Josh Dobbs, my hat off to you, sir. You definitely deserve the praise you've gotten. What a good, good little pick by the Minnesota Vikings to keep their playoff hopes alive, definitely. And we'll see how when it takes Justin Jefferson to come back. It doesn't look like he's going to come back this week. But hopefully he comes back and maybe even ups that team even better. So maybe a surprise wild card appearance. Ain't Ain't out of the question for the Minnesota Vikings for sure. So those were the biggest trades of the trade deadline. Not compared to last year. Last year everyone got traded. So that was an interesting trade deadline for sure. But this one was pretty good itself. So we'll see how everyone lines up. But as for this week, looking into week 10, it's going to be an interesting one for sure. Uh, right now, the Colts are playing the Patriots in uh, Frankfurt, Germany. So we'll see how that one plays out. It's already in the second quarter at the moment. About to go to halftime. Colts are up 7-3. I mean, they say uh, Belichick might be on the hot seat. I don't believe that. I believe if Belichick's going to not be on the Patriots coaching, if he's not going to be the head coach of the Patriots anymore, it's he's going to go out on his own terms. He's going to resign. More or retire rather than get fired. I don't think this is a, I don't think he can get fired. You won won Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl. You're not going to get fired. I think he will get the dignity and ask to be resigned or, you know, just ask him to retire. I don't think they'll say he's fired. They'll give him a little more dignity than that on the way out. But we'll see. After the season, there'll be a lot of question marks in the coaching staff for the New England Patriots for sure. Earlier today, the noon matchups are quite interesting. Browns-Ravens, best defense versus the top offense. Uh, I would love to see the Browns win, but I just don't. It's going to be close. The spread is 6.5, which is probably fair. But if the Browns are going to prove to be a AFC contender, they need to win this game for sure. Then we got Packers-Steelers. Uh, the Steelers are trying to fight keep their winning streak seasons alive. So and the Packer and the Packers aren't playing well. Jordan Love has dropped significantly since Week One. He he was playing well the first couple of games, but he has definitely dropped since then. Steelers defense has really stepped up, of course, with T.J. Watt. You're always going to step up. Uh, I think the Steelers are going to take this one. Texans, Bengals. By the way, D'Amico Ryan's deserves all the credit in the world. A team that looked to have a one-two win season is already four and four. They're already five hundred. They're playing excellent. D'Amico Ryan's is. The players are buying into Miko Ryan's. I think he's a true leader, and I think the Bengals are going to have their hands full against the Houston Texans to today. Then we got Falcons, Cardinals, the Birds against the Birds. I mean, looking at how bad the Cardinals have played, I'll be shocked if they win another game. So give me the Falcons. I think the Falcons might go, or excuse me, the Cardinals might go one in sixteen this year. I would be shocked if they get more than one or two wins. It's the team. There's nothing there. Unfortunately, there's nothing there. Even with Kyler Murray back, there's only so much one person can do for a team that's that's basically in the middle of a rebuild first year coach. This is it's not looking good. Uh Cowboys, Giants, Cowboys are going to stomp on the Giants. If they don't, people who have the Cowboys defense on fantasy is gonna be very disappointed, like me. So I'll be shocked if the Cowboys don't just hand the Giants their head today. Uh Jets, Raiders. Give me the Raiders. Like I told you, like the team is buying into Coach Pierce, so I think they will definitely be playing very well for sure. Uh, looking ahead er, uh, of the other games as well, uh, Saints-Vikings, both 5-4, and four. both are kind of in the same groove as of right now with how they're playing. But I like Dobbs over Carr. So I can't believe I said that, but Dobbs – there's something special about him when it comes to these teams. He there's something he's got something, and I don't think Carr has that compared to Dobbs. So give me Vikings right now. Uh, Titans, Bucks. Whew. Can I change the channel? <laughs> um, give me the Bucks. The Titans are just the Titans are in a very bad funk. But Will Levis has been playing extremely well. I think he's been playing solid. Again, he had a multiple touchdown game his first game, didn't play well the second, but he's definitely earned that starting quarterback position. So uh, give 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 me the bucks still because I trust Baker Mayfield over Will Levis. Will Levis is still a rookie, so we'll see how that goes. But I think, of course, when it comes to offense versus offense, Baker Mayfield has a better offensive weapons around him. Even though there's Derrick Henry, there is only Derrick Henry, unfortunately and i'm sure and there were rumors he was going to get traded but he didn't so that was kind of shocking as well uh lions chargers give me lions lions are proving to be one of the better teams jared goff is trying to prove everyone wrong which he has been playing very well he's leading this team to wins that's all he can ask for from a quarterback so give me the lions in that one commanders seahawks after the commanders just traded everything seahawks should have no problem with a with a very Hurt defense for sure. And not saying entry-wise. I'm just saying they lost two of their best defensive players. They're not going to step up very well. So, giving the Seahawks on that one. So, we'll see how else everything transpires. I mean, we still have... We also have the 49ers and Jaguars. Uh, Jaguars have been playing like a top team. The Niners are on a three-game losing streak. Both coming off buys. So, the Niners need this win more than the Jaguars do. Because if you're on a three-game skid, that's tough. But... It's going to be a tough matchup against a very solid Jaguars team. That's a coin flip. It says there's a three-and-a-half spread. I think that's incredibly fair spread because both teams are probably in this. Their, their talent is there, definitely. So we'll see who gets the better of each other that game. But uh, that's going to be our show today. Thank you all for joining us, as always. Um, I'll be back next week, hopefully on Saturday, if my voice gets better. We're in November and December football, ladies and gentlemen. We're in exciting times, and it's only going to get better. But as always, my name is Jeff Malinoff, and I'll see you next time.